You're listening to Lozano Smith's podcast, where we discuss important changes in the law and legal decisions that affect public agencies. Welcome and thank you for joining us again for another Lozano Smith podcast. I'm your host, Sloan Simmons, out of Lozano Smith's Sacramento office. Uh, again, lucky to be joined, uh, similar to a podcast maybe over a year ago, but it could have been years and years ago with COVID having occurring at, in the last couple of years. But I'm joined by our esteemed practice group leaders in charter schools here at Lozano Smith, Edward J. Sklar and Aaron Haymore. And we're, we're going to get the sense I have of where we're going to go with this discussion today. It's kind of a potpourri of what's hot in the charter school world. After several years of uh, new legislative movements and other changes, Ed and Aaron, we're looking forward to hearing from you what is hot, what is not, what is next for charter schools in California. So, you know, that, that stage having been set, thank you both for being here. Thanks, Sloan. Thanks, Sloan. All right, Ed. Ed, um, maybe best to start with where we've been and where we are right now or, or, or maybe the other way around. Yeah. Well, let's start where we were in 2019, right? The legislature had passed uh, AB 1505, and that was going to be the biggest reform to the Charter Schools Act in California in about 27 years, right? So this is 2019, and all of this stuff was happening with AB 1505 and, and other laws that were passed by the, by the legislation in regard to changes in the, in the way charter schools operate. The State Board of Education was getting out of the charter authorization business. There was going to be, I'd say, tighter uh, review of what petitions, charter petitions for renewal were going to be, look like, and they were going to be tied directly to the dashboard. And then some other big things that were happening where there were more bases uh, added to the law that allowed you or, or allowed you bases to deny initial charter petitions. One was the fiscal impact that your charter school may have on the school district. And the other was, is it in the community interest to adopt this charter? So those were big deals. And back in 2019, the legislation was going to go in place in 2020. And everyone was waiting for the, the rubber to hit the road. And there was going to be a lot of disputes and a lot of discussion about charter schools. And law was going to be made. And and charters were going to be a big topic. And then what happened? A thing called the pandemic, right? And so we uh, go through the pandemic and what happens there? The charter school, like there's decline in student enrollment throughout the state, including in charter schools. The students are all at home. So nobody's starting a charter school at this point. So there are no initial petitions coming down the road um, and being submitted to school districts or county offices of education. And the dashboard is gone. We lose the dashboard. And and so therefore, we can't really, I had said that the renewals were tied to the dashboard. So what did the legislature do? They said that every charter out there, pretty much, does not have to go through the renewal process. And they extend every charter, every charter's term for two years. And so there's no charter renewals going on. And that, that means that down the road, there's no appeals in front of the state board. So the state board's appeal process, which was going to be totally revamped under AB 1505, they didn't get to test that out. So now, circling around, we're coming out of the pandemic. Renewals are going to be back on the calendar. 
we have kids returning to classrooms, and so therefore we have an, um, initial charter petitions being submitted for the first time in a couple of years. And also at that, you know, at about the same time, uh, appeals of denials of charter petitions are coming up in front of the state board. So in like the next six, six to 12 months, we're going to be seeing a lot of charter school activity, you know, in front of the state board of education, in front of our school districts, and probably in front of the courts. So, Ed, with AB 1505 and then the pandemic, was there an expectation of, of regulatory action had the pandemic not occurred that would, have, that would have provided greater clarity on what to do both then and then prospectively? Uh, no. Are you, are you asking, were there regulations that we're going to be sort of interpreting, helping us to interpret both the school districts and uh, charter schools? Yeah, I wonder whether or not there was, an ex there was an expectation that there would be regulatory regs put in place to kind of build out on 1505. Yes, there was. That was at the beginning. And, and even before the pandemic hit, there, they were... The expectation was that there were going to be regulations adopted by the State Board of Education to help everyone interpret the changes made under AB 1505. And, and that didn't occur. That did not occur. There were proposed regulations that were put in front of the State Board of Education. And like many things that happened in California, there was a tug of war between the teachers union and between the Charters community and the California Charter Schools Association both were very critical of the proposed regulations that were in front of the State Board of Education. And the State Board of Education simply stepped away from the desk and didn't adopt any regulations. And the process, as far as I understand, has not continued. And there are no regulations that have been adopted and no regulations being proposed um, to help us all interpret AB 1505. So with, with that said, and coming out of, you know, even though it's, we're, we're saying we're coming out of the pandemic, but in this post school closures approach to the pandemic, can you talk about what we're looking at now in terms of the restart of the charter renewal process? Because we're now expecting this, this you know, influx of uh, requested renewals or how that all plays out. Because I know there were some steps taken during the pandemic that kind of paused things a little bit. Sure. I mean, that's one of the things that we're going to see a big impact in the next six months or year, because I had said prior that all everybody's charter term for their charter school was was extended for two years. So what's going to happen is in the end of the school year, 23, 24, those petitions that were originally supposed to expire in the end of 2022 are now going to expire at the end of the 23-24 school year. And so that's not that far away. And we still don't have a dashboard up and running. And in regard to like when the dashboard is going to be online and dashboard uh, data and metrics are going to be provided to the public, that's not going to be probably until the end of December of 2023. That's the guesstimate we heard. Uh, and then, you know, the in regard to how renewals are going to happen using that, let me back up a little, using that dashboard data, what the CDE would do when a charter school was up for renewal 
was they would put them in a bucket. This is what AB1505 required. They would either be in a low-performing, middle-performing, high-performing bucket. You determine what bucket the charter school is in, or CDE determines what bucket the charter school is in, uh, based on the dashboard data. So the timing-wise, we are going to have a bunch of charter schools that are going to be, their petitions are going to be, or their charters are going to be expiring on June 30, 2024. They are going to want to submit their charter petitions in the fall, the petitions for renewal in the fall of 2023. And there's not going to be any dashboard data at that time. CDE will not have put the charters in their buckets as to whether this is a middle performing, high performing uh, or low performing charter. And so what we see on the horizon is a lot of confusion and a potential mess because the authorizers, school districts and county offices of education that are supposed to be reviewing these petitions to see if they should be renewed are not going to have are not going to know which bucket the charter school is in. Uh, Ed, let me ask you what may be a foolish question or maybe two of them. One, I mean, would we really care as a district, the county office of Ed really care if we just if there was some type of fix that just extended those petitions for another year? And, and related to that is a legislative fix. What what could be the answer on that question? It could be, I, I, you know, in regard to whether a school district or, or any charter authorizer can just tell all their charters they're going to extend their charter petitions unilaterally, that may be difficult because remember, they may be in agreement to do it with the charter school, but the state is the one who funds these charter schools. So the state would have to buy into the year extension. So the process for making that happen is a little, is not clear at this point right now, to be honest. The other thing is um, in regard to whether there can be a legislative fix. Yeah, the legislature can say, you know, you know how we extended those charter petitions for the terms of those charter petitions for two years. We're actually extending them for three years. So you have another year for the dashboard and the CDE to catch up in regard to this renewal process. But we haven't heard of that happening yet. Well, that all sounds simple, Ed. It all sounds real simple. Exactly. Aaron, what about, you know, let's pivot away from maybe the renewals and what are we seeing, what are you seeing in terms of how AB 1505 is playing out in matters before the State Board of Education? So one of the other things that we're hotly watching right now is what's happening at the SBE level and in particular we're seeing the first appeals of charter petition denials at the district and county level post AB 1505. There's actually three right now. Uh, one was just heard and two that are pending. They're out of uh, Humboldt County, Solano County, and Napa County. And the appeals have been closely watched for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, AB 1505, among other things, changed the way that the state board hears those appeals. So if you go back in time, pre-AB 1505, all of these appeals of denied charter petitions used to come up before the state board and they would look at them with fresh eyes, really. We would call it a de novo standard of review and really decide the merits of the petition. But with AB 1505, the legislature said, no, we want to return things to the local level. And we really want those decisions to be um, held closely and to, to give deference to whatever happens at the local level. 
So now um, we have what we call a, a abuse of discretion standard of review. And part of the challenge of that is, we talked about earlier, there's no regulations on point. So it's hard for charter authorizers, county offices to know how the state board is going to implement that. With that in mind, with those different things in mind, um, at the state board level, as these have come up, we've had a few takeaways recently. So the Humboldt County Appeal was heard earlier this week on July 14th. The CDE also issued a memo in June on how they're going to interpret this new abuse of discretion standard. And so here's... This a, is from the, the CDE's charter charter division? or That's right. Yeah. The CDE's charter division issued a memo because there are so many questions about what would happen when these appeals came up. And so we learned a few things. First of all, we learned that the... CDE, SBE have set a high bar for what they're going to consider abuse of discretion. So if we're thinking about this in terms of this being either a, a low, a medium, or a high bar, um, the SBE has put out you know, this high hurdle, essentially, for charter petitioners who say that their appeals should be granted. The SBE says that it wants to give deference to the local level. So the county, the uh, district, the, it's the most deferential standard. And that in looking at these appeals, it's required actually by law uh, to give that deference to the local county level. And that's their, that's them sticking to the abuse of discretion language with, that's explicitly in 1505. Well, interestingly, 1505 didn't include any abuse of discretion language. Oh, it doesn't say it doesn't say it. Okay. It just uses the term abuse of discretion. Right. Well, but it yeah. says abuse of discretion. Correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, but, and this, this veers into the wonky, but in the legal world, there's different ways that abuse of discretion can be applied. And so, for example, um, some charter petitioners who are appealing argue that a different standard should be applied, maybe one that holds local school districts, county offices to a higher standard in, in reviewing that in terms of the evidence that they were looking at. Okay. But what the CDE SBE said is that essentially they're not going to overturn decision at the local level unless it was arbitrary, capricious, lacking in evidentiary support, um, unlawful or procedurally unfair. So that's, that's really the, the first takeaway is that the bar is high. Um, the, the second takeaway from the recent Humboldt uh, appeal that was heard and then also the memo is that the mere existence of a procedural error isn't going to be enough. So for the Humboldt appeal, for example, which, which was denied, um, when you look at the, the write-up and analysis, they recognize that there were some underlying procedural errors at the county and district level, but said, you know, on the whole, that doesn't render the decision arbitrary, capricious, and so forth. So well, that sounds to be consistent with case law that says when you're looking at abuse of discretion, it must be a prejudicial abuse of discretion. Is that the idea? I think that's right, and that seems to be the direction the SBE is going in. They're, they really are going to give deference to the local level. Okay. And then I, th I think our third takeaway, finally, is the SBE made clear and humble, as we understand it, in the hearing phase, that 
it wouldn't be looking at the merits of a charter petition. And as I said, that's something that's different. So their role here is merely to determine was there an abuse at the local level? Um, if not, then presumably they're going to give that deference and honor the decisions that are made at the local level. So this is really a new way of reviewing and um, hearing these different appeals. And so I think moving forward, what we're looking at here is in, in the CDE's memo, they acknowledge that they too are learning with each appeal that comes through. Each one presents different issues, for example, um, presence of a transcript or uh, equal time and procedures during a hearing. So as these new issues come up, we'll be learning along the way as the CD, or excuse me, as the SBE reviews each of these issues and appeals. Aaron, as we sit here today, do you have in your mind an example or two of what you think would check the box for an appealing charter? Um, that is that that would be an abuse of discretion by an authorizer or at this point we're, we're, it's kind of wait and see um, because it is such a, a deferential standard that it's perhaps kind of complicated to even envision what that might look like I think it's a little bit of wait and see I could probably come up with some examples but part of part of what's interesting here is we've all acknowledged along the way that AB 1505 is really comprehensive and it's it's not necessarily a model of clarity in certain areas. And because of that, I think we all interpret pieces of it differently. So obviously, you know, if, if there's a clear misapplication of a portion of that law, that could, that could tick the box. But then it's a circular argument because we go back to what's a misapplication as we analyze things. And, you know, moving away from state board of education and, and the developments that we'll, we'll continue to monitor there. Is there pending legislation as we look look ahead uh, through this summer and the conclusion of the legislative session into the fall that, that um, local educational agencies should have their eye on? Yeah, I'm, I'm just real quick to touch on that. There's, as with every legislative session, there's a, uh, a slew of charter school related legislative bills. None of them as big as what was on AB 1505 and that legislation from 2019. But in this legislative session, um, there was, you know, legislation that was precluding charter school employees and or executive directors um, from serving on county boards or local school districts. There's discussions about uh, requiring new charter schools to become, uh, to offer or to become CalSTRS, CalPERS members. You know, this, so the legislation is significant, but I think what was really the focus of the lobbying efforts of the charter community was in regard to the recently adopted budget, state budget, um, in to order to make sure that charter schools like public school districts were going to be held harmless for enrollment declines and that happened that hadn't happened in prior uh california budgets this year chart or moving forward charter schools are going to be held harmless for declines in enrollment that was a big hit to charter schools one something significant though to know is that the hold harmless provisions only apply to classroom-based charter school programs they are not applicable to non-classroom-based charter schools. The California legislature over the past several years has been, I don't want to say punitive, but has been 
very strict in regard to allowing non-classroom-based charter schools to thrive in the state of California. So that was the big focus, the, home har the hold harmless provisions of the upcoming budget. Very helpful, you two, um, as we think about post-pandemic, and again, I think it's a lot to use that phrase right now, but we'll use it, post-pandemic, and the, the practical realities and logistics of the charter school issues that our LEAs are gonna face now, and especially in the coming uh, year or two, uh, I'm, I'm sensing that um, the renewal issue is a big one based upon your guys' discussion. Still things to learn at the state board level one by one as we watch these appeals move their way through. Still a hope potentially for further CDE guidance, but it sounds like the regulatory detail that we might have had historically under the Charter School Act is not something that we would expect anytime soon because of the politics at issue there which means just more litigation for folks like you two with me jumping on the back of the, the truck as you guys drive through it um, and, and some changes with hold harmless on funding, but other legislation as we would expect potentially impacting charter schools between now and October going into 2023. What am I missing, if anything, with your two brilliant minds? I think you've covered it, Sloan. We'd, we, there's a lot going on and it's, a really exciting time actually there's we're we're learning daily monthly about this and and continuing to adjust as we go it's like the all that which was expected after 1505 went into place is now going to start we just had to wait a little while it's a rebound effect okay. yeah we've been well rested though. yeah ed thank you aaron thank you um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us on another Lozano Smith podcast and for tuning in today. We encourage you to visit our podcast page at lozanosmith.com forward slash podcast to find links to this podcast and resources related to this topic and a whole range of other podcasts. And also make sure you subscribe to the Lozano Smith podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact the hosts of this episode or an attorney at any of our eight offices throughout California. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the information contained in this podcast is necessarily general, its application to a particular set of facts and circumstances may vary. For this reason, this podcast does not constitute legal advice. We recommend that you consult with your counsel prior to acting on the information you heard.